Hello? Yeah. I'm just about to leave for Belfast. Why? What's up? Listen, I'll I'll be fine. I know. I want I want to be there. I want to support. Um okay. Right. Um I'll be fine. I'll give you a call after, okay? I see people with signs, police everywhere, tension, you can feel it in the air. Dark clouds close over Belfast, it's about to rain. As we approach Custom House Square, we are met by the police, trying to hold us from entering the square. No stopping us, I see an opportunity to slip past the officer, unnoticed. I pull lorry with me. And I just keep on marching forward to the very front of the crowd. Hundreds of men, women, children standing in silence. Holding up signs. Black Lives Matter. No to racism. United we stand. There I am, standing in the rain. With my fist in the air. Attending my first ever protest. You are listening to Rebel with a Cause. Today, we clap back. I would like to welcome Laurie Gatsy Barnett, the Rebel Speaker, and Ivanka Petrova Antova, the Rebel Organizer. Ivanka, if you could just start off and tell us a little bit about yourself. Okay, well, um, I came to Northern Ireland, I want to say in 2010. Um, to continue with my uh, higher education here. I did a master's, um, worked for a couple of years, came back to do a PhD and uh, worked for a few years. So I very much call... Sorry sorry to jump in. What is your PhD in? What's your background? Um, My my background, my academic background is, I suppose, disability. Yeah. Um, Disability rights. Okay. Yeah, um, in Bulgaria are uh, disabled people. So yeah, um, you that's know, all. You know, yeah, yeah, has been a a part of a, a part of my life. I suppose disability cool. right my background. That's what I would describe. I've called Belfast my home for uh, for the last ten years. I've been um, involved in United Against Racism since twenty eighteen. And I'd like to say that I've been to quite a few protests over the years, <laughs> yeah. as well as you know peaceful marches, one diversity carnival which was beautiful, uh, peaceful rallies, campaigns for change, campaigns for you know progressive causes. So I was born and raised in Sofia, but I think I grew up as a person in Belfast. So tell me this: where does all the drive coming from? You know the the passion and the fire in your belly? Um, I think the passion comes from, um, I'm sorry, right. I, I'm pausing. Um, that's, yeah, that's a that, great pregnant pause. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm giving you, the, so the context I would like to understand because to organize or be part of numerous protests takes courage. So I'm, I'm, I would like to understand, you know, why you're, why you're doing it. Mm, yeah, well, First was a white, cisgendered, able-bodied woman. I have a number of privileges that I fully acknowledge and fully accept. Sometimes I support with my body, with my person, with my words, with my actions, fights which are not 
uh, it, they don't appear to be my fight. For example, the fight of the LGBTQ movement uh, yes. for, for the right to marriage to be recognized or yeah. um, as a white person supporting the Black Lives Matter movement. It appears that these are not my fights. You know, the, the best I can do is kind of stand on the side and, and let other people struggle. But I think part of the fire comes from First of all, recognizing that you do have a stake. I have a stake as a white, straight, able-bodied woman in a society that is fairer, mm -hmm. that is more representative, a society where human rights and equality are upheld, a society where people are lifted and empowered. That's, that's my fight because I'm part yeah. of this society. And this, the second, if you wish, source of, of, of passion is once you think of, all of these people as your siblings, as part of your family, this fight is no longer external to you. This is now a fight for your family in all of its beautiful diversity. Um, it probably sounds a bit abstract or even too grandiose for someone to say that, but when I respond to the right of my, you know, black colleagues, friends, neighbors, uh, comrades, um, to, to fight for a society where they're not brutalized by racism on a daily basis. Yes. As, this is me supporting my family. They, these are my siblings. And it's my moral responsibility really to, to respond in a way that is compatible with, with my abilities and with what I can bring to the table. Lovely to hear that, that you sort of look at people as your family, because that's the way I look at Laurie. And, and I'm going to come to you, Laurie, that, you know, uh, a sister from another mister, as you called me, you know, a couple of days ago, and you are like a sister to me. And I'm really, really glad that you agreed to be my new rebel, my longstanding rebel, or more like my rebel partner going forward on this podcast. So I'm looking forward to be um, welcoming all these interesting people and quizzing them and, and you know, interviewing like Ivanka. And I'm looking forward to be driving great causes and, you know, raising awareness of great causes. Tell us a little bit about yourself, because you are my rebel speaker today. Um, well, I mean, I don't have as much grandeur like uh, Ivanka by any measure. I think if anything... Um... Oh, I have no. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think in any case, um, Ivanka is probably one of the reasons why I suppose standing in front and, and actually saying something and, and being a part of the moment. I think the biggest significance for me, especially with um, what happened last Saturday, was really looking at being part of a moment. Because I think a lot of times as people, we, we get involved in things and we miss the moment. You know, there's such a thing about placing your moment perfectly so that the right amount of impact, the right amount of, of change, the right amount of whatever is required, it has its moment. And, and for me, that moment was when you have that engagement as in you're speaking, and you have an audience that's listening and you have that eye contact where there's a recognition of each of you's role in the very moment and what that all means. And I suppose for me, that was the, the moment that I kind of knew who I am as a person to myself and, and what I stand for and what I represent is now kind of exposed to the rest of the world. Here is that moment. And, and you, you don't get a second chance to that. You're kind of like, it's now, it's here and you just have to get into it and speak your truth. So I think there's something very powerful in having an understanding of yourself and owning who you are 
and being able to say to others with conviction, this is who I am and there's no apology and there's no shame in it and I'm, and I'm proud to be part of the process. So if that is my take, that is mine. The moment, seize that moment if you get it because it doesn't come up every so often. And it was an electric moment, I, I must admit. I, I was utterly disappointed that the microphone went off and that moment as you stepped up, but there was no holding back because you delivered, you absolutely delivered a message. And I absolutely advise all my all the listeners to, to go and seek out this rally from Saturday and listen to Laurie's message because it was powerful. It was just, it was just amazing. I, I had good goosebumps all over me. Yeah, we all had had something to say. And I think each of the speakers in their own way had had some relation to the subject, you know, and had some connection to the piece. And, and I think it's important, you know, one of the big things, I mean, Ivanka can attest to this, that when you, when you have something this big, you have to pick your participants really well. Because, you know, I believe when you're, when you're trying to enact or, or get a movement or something to happen that's really huge, the last thing you need is to have a speaker or a participant who comes and just deflates the moment, because I think that kind of just ruins it all. I mean, I'm sure Ivanka, you can read into this more. I mean, from an organizing perspective, that so much goes into it for it to have the impact. I mean, I think it's a, it's a fair assessment. I mean, how, what's your, how do you select people to do this? Well, um, I absolutely agree with you. Um, it's very important who speaks. And the first, per the first thing that we asked ourselves was, we have to ensure that our BAME brothers and sisters speak out so we can throw our efforts into building this platform, in building this event, in building it in a safe way, considering the fact that this um, you know, peaceful protest happened in the context of social distancing. And then the next question was, we, we can't speak uh, to oppression from that perspective. Uh, we can speak passionately and with conviction about resistance, about joining different fights, about showing solidarity. But there is something unbelievably powerful when um, the people who can describe their lived experiences of the sharp end of racism in Ireland, in, uh, in the UK, in the USA, speak and everybody else listens. So that was one of the logics. The other one was, uh, use your contacts. I absolutely asked Lori, Lori, I need powerful women here to lead this movement. Who do you know? She put me in touch with people. They put me in touch with other people. And I, I also have to say that there was this absolutely incredible moment when just about at the end of the, of the, of the peaceful rally, People came from the from the floor and they grabbed the microphone and they spoke. So I didn't know them. I I hadn't had the chance to to, to speak to them, but they felt so inspired by that by by that event by being able to speak about oppression, about racism, about being othered, about being neglected, about being prosecuted in front of everybody's eyes, both in in Derry and in Belfast, that they, they wanted to be heard. I'll never forget the words of one of the young women in particular. I need to be heard and you need to listen. There was such unbelievable raw energy on Saturday, raw trauma, but also 
raw and difficult to contain spirit of resisting and empowerment. Uh, that's how you get people to speak, by committing to ensure that they come and by asking the people that you know can inspire, like Lori, like some of the other speakers, and, and just let it happen. I know, I know I left completely invigorated and, and thinking this is just the beginning of a civil rights movement here, the likes of which we haven't seen in a while. Um, it, it, it really was beautiful. Laurie, what, what's your take on how did you feel, you know, when you delivered your electric? Electric. Well, I think first things first, you have to be, <laughs> you have to be aware of equipment and equipment like technology, like anything else, it fails. So yeah. I think uh, first rule of anything is, you know what, don't be, don't be too technical and sometimes you have to improvise, you know, so when things are different, just step into the moment and do what you have to do and, and get the message across. And I think, um, so rightfully said that, you know, even that statement that I, I need to be heard and you need to listen, mm. yeah. you know, there's, there's a magnetic power that each of us has by our voice. And like you so rightfully said, our experience, it, it helps to, to equip that voice for what we're talking about to have meaning. I wish the gentleman on the talkback show understood to be heard and I will, li I will listen and I will, you know, I will hear you out. I listened to the show and I was so angry. The person said, there is no racism in Northern Ireland. When I personally, as a white woman, have a different experience from 15 years ago, whenever I was called a foreign such and such, or, you know, I was told to get on a boat and get back to where I came from and all that. So I cannot even imagine what it would mm -hmm. feel like, you know, for a person from the black community to be at the receiving end when you really want to hurt someone, the first thing you pick on is something that you can see visibly. People from the Bama community, it's the color of their skin. It's the first thing that comes to your eyes and that's what you're gonna pick on. So there were some very, very good comments today and I loved it the way Laurie, you, you, both of you, you and, Ivanka, you and Ivanka as well, turned the whole conversation around with diplomacy. It was just, it was such a great, mo it was such a great show. So absolutely, you know, I recommend everybody to listen to it, you know, for further this conversation. But I know, Ivanka, you were under, you were under pressure on Saturday from the BSNI. How much work does go, how much work do you need to put in to organize such a massive rally under the current circumstances of COVID? Like how yeah. much effort, you know, that go into that? It took tremendous effort. Tremendous effort from from the day when I first spoke to the Northwest Migrant Forum, to the events in Derry and Belfast themselves. Uh, it was hardcore planning, um, incredible amount of effort from multiple uh, people. In, in many ways, Saturday is an example of a cross-community effort to pull it off. It's impossible for a small number of people to do it by themselves. So there were a number of individuals who stepped up as much as they could to see it happen. So tremendous, tremendous uh, efforts were put into um, social distancing in planning. I can share with you another memory, if you wish, from 2019, last year, whenever we tried to, and we did organize the Diversity Carnival, which came as a response of a number of counter demonstrations against far-right groups in Belfast, the United Against Racism led on. If you remember, um, 
At the time, Jada Franston was actively trying to organize in Northern Ireland. She was gathering crowds, um, sharing despicable uh, messages of xenophobia and racism and Islamophobia. Yeah. So United Against Racism led the counter demonstrations with the help of the trade union movement. And that was important. But we got messages, if you wish, from our uh, brothers and sisters saying, this confrontational style of defending the Bain community doesn't necessarily allow us to come even because uh, some of us uh, are asylum seekers. We don't want to be yeah. troublemakers. We don't want our visas revoked. So is there another way of uh, defending the right of people to just be here now, free? Um, and then we, 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 we started organizing the diversity carnival. And the message of the diversity carnival was, we're beautiful in our diversity. Belfast is beautiful in its yeah. diversity. And every migrant, every person of color has uh, brought something valuable to this community. Now, I know that the, the diversity carnival took weeks to organize. Just like on Saturday, there was actually a lot of pressure put by institutions to cancel in the last minute. So there is obviously the pressure you put on yourself when you, when you try to see an event happen, especially in the context of lockdown, when you are hyper aware of public health and the necessity to keep everybody safe. But then there is the pressure that comes from institutions that just refuse to acknowledge the validity of what it is that you're trying to do. So the yeah. excuse this Saturday was, well, public health. Under normal circumstances, we would have worked with you. No, we know that's not true because you never have. Mm -hmm. Because for the diversity, the diversity carnival happened, uh, if you remember, at the time when Primark burned, um, and a whole section of the city center was closed. Was closed down. Yeah, I remember. Yeah. At the time, <clears throat> the diversity carnival was happening. It was uh, this section was starting to reopen, and we were uh, we had uh, we, we had chosen, um, uh, if you wish, a route for the march. To, to get through Belfast city center, none of the institutions helped. They actually told us that a bunch of migrants and people of color put shoppers off uh, Belfast city center. People won't yeah. go shopping because the diversity carnival will pass through. So that's actually where the pressure comes from. When you know the validity of what it is that you're trying to do, forget validity. When you know the burning necessity to do it because your brothers and sisters are being silenced, they're being brutalized, they're being subjected to everyday racism. And especially in the context of the Black Lives Matter movement, that's a global movement. People were coming out anyway. There was absolutely no doubt in anybody who is paying any attention to what's happening that people were coming out in anger and in solidarity. So really the pressure comes from institutions who, who just don't want to help, not just during Corona. I'm sorry, but that's a lie on behalf of the, uh, of the institutions. Always. Well, I I was going to go no matter what, and and on the way as I was getting all the messages, my friends were like, "You're gonna get fined," and I at that stage I really did not care. I was ready to take on the sixty-five, sixty-pound or whatever fine they were going to give me. I did not care. I was going to show up, and I think there was a lot of people like that. You know, they didn't care. They just wanted to support no matter what. Yeah, they were. I mean, they, they were people who showed up and they had that attitude. And yes, people did practice the social distancing that was required. You know, that was that was fairly, yeah. you know, that was, the ground was marked clearly. 
it was almost like a treasure hunt, you know, X marks the spot and, and that's where you had to stand and you had your own little proximity around yourself. So there was a lot of effort put into making sure that people's safety was being considered, you know, and, and all the stats and all the information and, and all the things you worry about. Because I know even with Vivanka, we, we went through quite a comprehensive list about what the concerns are, what the categories of concern were, how are we going to handle it if, if things don't go to plan. So there was quite a lot of discussion about it, of which sometimes I think when you have people who sit, and this is my own personal observation, that when you have yeah. people in an office, and, and it's, it's finally when you get that corner office, you've worked your whole life and you've earned that corner office, and now the decision for what happens rests in your hands. I don't know if it's along the journey or is it the happiness of finally being in the office that sometimes I think what gets you there, the office didn't exist without you having a burning desire to change something. There must have been something about you that you recognized that you saw that was missing and you were the person who could bring it to the table. So for me, when you have individuals who are sitting at the top end of the table, who are now the decision makers, sometimes I wonder, you know, is the passion still there? You know, you're sitting in front of whether it's health or it's education or even if it's just yeah. in any shape or form, are you still as passionate about what you're sitting at the head of the table about today? Because I think when you're still passionate and you're still concerned and you still have interest, you never stop creating. I can imagine for Ivanka, you know, you never stop planning. You never stop finding opportunities to perfect your plan, to do it better, to find another challenge. You know, it's almost um, like an ongoing repetition of doing it better and achieving better results and in its own way the satisfaction of seeing the results is rewarding so mm. sometimes it, it makes you wonder yeah. you know for us to get change how many of us actually want it and how many of us stand in the way of that change mm. because it's, it's not easy I granted all of us to change i mean there are things we did as kids let's be honest and and if we had to do them now it would be it would either be impossible to do or it would be ridiculous even still I think we have that element that we all encase, which believes in something. Where do we go from here? We did the peaceful rally. We all showed up, you know, we showed solidarity. And where do we go next? That's a question with many answers. Um, okay. My short answer is we go everywhere. No stopping. No, no, there, there can't be stopping because I think one of the unfortunate, um, if you wish, sides to the Black Lives Matter from years ago was that it didn't materialize in long-lasting change. So there wasn't, yes. for example, a long-lasting change in relation to the police in the United States. There wasn't any long-lasting change in terms of challenging the structure of oppression. For example, even in the context of putting public health before corporate profits that contributes yeah. both directly to racism and to health inequalities. So where we go next is intensify and ask for the stars, ask for everything that the BAME community has formulated as demands, critique of society, as recommendations for change. All of that is available and now has to be pursued. And alongside the struggle against racism, we can achieve long-lasting change of other forms of oppression, the impact on the Bale community and on anyone else as well. That's where we go next. We go full on to continue with this movement. That now there are plenty of things that can be done and should be done 
all simultaneously and we'll have to figure it out. I think this is a crucial moment where the BAME community has to lead and the rest of us have yep. to follow. This is not a matter of us organizing single-handedly without considering what it is that the BAME community uh, wants. Um, so this is crucial. It's crucial now for some of the future leaders of the world, and I saw them on Saturday, passionate young people. This protest was incredibly young. The majority of people in attendance were young people, hungry for change, ready for action, knowing what they want. So it's enabling them to essentially lead and the rest of us will push, will push really hard. So I hope Laurie agrees that that's where we go next. We go everywhere. Oh yeah, and I think we should. We can give more concrete examples of where we go. <laughs> yes, I think that's, that's the way to be. I mean, it's just like with, with children. They never stop playing. They never stop having new ideas of how to do stuff they've always done. And I think equally as adults, we need to be creative in that way again. You know, there will be challenges that come along. You know, COVID is one. You know, life itself, language is another communication there's so many barriers if we think about it but i think it's that collectiveness and purpose and collectiveness and function and, and having a recognized position that we all take which is good i think that's 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 where we can also work from and i mean even from myself and yourself and even adriana we're all different but the the the, the good thing is we share a common interest in wanting to see things get better and in whatever Absolutely. capacity we can do it that's how we're going to do it. So if it means I need to use better language, then I learn the appropriate language. If it means I need to get over my own stereotype or bias, I need to get over that. I think one of the things I mentioned today, you know, when I was talking yesterday was even to say, you don't grow up hating things. <coughs> Hate is a very strong word and you learn how to acquire the strength to go behind that word. But if you grow up with an opportunity, you know, with an opportunity to change the way things are and to, to understand Sometimes when you're looking at things, they don't look the best when you're in the middle of it or at the beginning or going through it. But now we're at the stage now, I think globally, that we can take an opportunity to have a bird's eye view about, well, we've come from here. This is what we've done all along. And now with COVID, COVID has created that opportunity to reset and restart and rethink how we're going to go forward. So because we have to think, how do we move forward and how do we do things better? We have this moment to make those decisions that change the future of wherever we're going to go and whatever we're going to do next. So it's, it's a crucial time, totally crucial time. And it's a global, a global exercise because we're all in the same place. And, and now is when we realize those partnerships, that collaboration, language, and all of that. This is when it pulls together and, and we change the outcomes. So yeah, definitely. We, we, we don't stop creating. And, and absolutely, and, and, you know, being part of that movement and, and seeing, you know, the passion and the drive, I want to be part of it, and I want to help. I said to Laurie, right, <clears throat> let's do this, let's partner up, because together we are powerful, and partner up, and create new connections, and help, help yourself as well, Ivanka, with whatever we can, and anything we can do, we will help you, because... Mm -hmm. You know, both of us have strong voices. All three of us um, have great experiences and connections. We can, we can drive the change in Northern Ireland, whether it's conversations, whether it's more rallies, more peaceful gatherings, things like that. There is a serious need of a new era 
of leaders, leaders like yourself, like Laurie, like myself, to be engaging, you know, local people in those conversations and, and having those awkward conversations I have with Laurie all the time. She gives me grace. She gives me all the grace because I say something stupid or she takes the time to educate me. <clears throat> the education I've received in school is just minimal to, you know, to what is to the BAM community and everything to learn. And yes, I'm sort of I'm a foreigner myself. I think I'm more looked at now as local living here 15 years. Mm. But I still consider myself as minority. So I feel compassionate towards, you know, the, it's my community as well. As you said, you know, it's such it's heartwarming when you said brothers and sisters. So I feel the same way. When I look at Laurie, she is my sister from another mister. So, oh, she's stuck with me. <laughs> See what I have to put up with, Ivanka? It's not an easy job, you know. And now I have you to add. Gee, thanks, guys. <laughs> I'm just so, waiting for to be over so we can all have cups of tea and plot uh, a worldwide rebellion. <laughs> um, we're not going to rebel. We're peaceful. We're peaceful rebels. We're, we're rebels with a good cause. So what we're going to do, we're just going to create, you know, real engagement that brings enlightenment to life, all of us. And we're going to create, we're going to gather all the leaders that we need to make this happen. Totally. 100%. Thank you very much. Thank you very much, ladies, for, for coming on. You, you are both amazing. Oh, no, thank you for having us. <laughs>